ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to today's episode of Midweek Mind Candy. Thank you for taking time out of your day to sit back and relax with us, and we hope that when you leave today, you leave with a new piece of candy in your mind dish and something to think about over the next week and figure out how the words that we discuss play out in your life. My name is Stacey Johnston, honored to be here with you, and equally as honored to sit alongside my co-host, Kathy Holland. Kathy, how are you today? I am doing wonderful. Looking forward to this conversation with our returning guest. I'm always intrigued by the conversation. Oh, me too. So, you know, we, you and I talk every time about what it adds to your homeschool experience and, and what it adds to your normal life. But what do you see these conversations, what kind of effect do you see them having on your ability to communicate with people at random, the general public at large? You know, I think I've said before that these conversations really drive home the different, right? Everybody has different opinions, different definitions, different feelings associated with a word, you know. So me using it in one scenario could be completely different for somebody else. So it's really just kind of eye-opening to that fact. I love it. I, I think it helps me when I'm talking to people and I'm listening to other people have a conversation, it makes me more aware of where their conversation's coming from. But if I join into that conversation, become a part of it, I have a better concept of where they're coming from versus just throwing myself out there. Does that make sense? Um, I think it really just enriches my ability to converse with people. I love it. I love it. I'm so honored that you take time out of your day with the homeschool you do for all three of your children and the life you live to, to spend this time with me. Anna, engage in this with me, so I'm always honored to have you alongside. Let's bring on our guest. Like you said, we have a gentleman returning with us today who was kind enough to join us for our Uncaped Heroes episode, talked some beautiful, beautiful information about miracles and how they play out in your life, and so we are anxious to have him back. So welcome back, Tomas Barza. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me back. I'm delighted to be here with you. Oh, you're very welcome. So let me ask you kind of the same question. We had a conversation with you about this podcast and what this second show was about. What intrigued you? What made you want to come back and have this conversation? This is a really interesting idea, first of all. I think it's cool, and I like it. So that's the really short version. And I really enjoy the play with words. I'm a writer myself, and I've always loved the written word. So it is very interesting how people relate their life experiences to a word and how two people can see it completely differently. It conjures up different things. And I used to have a business partner who would have a word of the day sometimes. Sometimes it was of the week, but she would just introduce a word into our dialogue and we would grok on it for a little bit. We would uh, play with it. So this idea is very fun. Well, then let's get into this conversation. Today, let's talk about the word play. So when you hear the word play, Tomas, what's your first thought? My first thought is fun and dorkiness and lack of hesitation. Those are my first thoughts right there. 
Okay, I like that. And how does the word play figure into your life? I think it's essential. What I really think about that is I work with adults as a spiritual teacher, as a teacher of A Course in Miracles, like we talked about on the last podcast. Most of the people I work with are 40 and older, and a great majority of them are... Are we still here? <laughs> oh, yeah, we're still here. I don't know where that is coming from, but uh, the loud noise. But um, what, um, what I find is that a majority of people that I work with are actually age 60 and older. And as adults, people tend to need help getting back to play getting back to taking themselves a little less seriously and introducing fun into the equation. I think people need permission as adults to do that, whereas when we're kids, that's naturally what we do. So people need permission to do it in in my line of work. It's very interesting. I like that, that that adults need to seek permission. And I'm sorry about the loud noise. I was sitting in a bedroom and the smoke alarm went off. Oh, okay. I still had to relocate and run outside right quick. I think that's a really interesting point that you put up, that adults feel like they need permission to play. I think that's that's a super important point right there. I agree. Kathy, how about you? In in a world full of children and in the world you live in, tell me about play in your life. Well, my kids are eight, six, and four. So everything we do is a game. And I homeschool. So school is a game. You know, we do phonic songs. Everything is a game because it's more intriguing for them. It's more fun, right? If they get to play around and be silly, it's easier for them to learn, right? And on the adult side of it, when I was in treatment, we had a, a therapist come in one day and, you know, was talking to us about our inner child, right? And that sometimes we have to get back in touch with our inner child so that we can, we can heal from that place, right? And she said, you know, one of the easiest ways to do that is to write a letter to yourself with your non-dominant hand. Mm. And it sounds crazy, she said, but if you if you will write a question to yourself with your non-dominant hand and then respond to that question with your dominant hand, it will look like a letter from your inner child. And she was not wrong, and it shocked me. It was crazy. Wow. You know, what a vital point. All right, how many people refuse to get back into that area of play because, like he said, maybe of past trauma, maybe of, of childhood stuff. And what a wonderful exercise to do. I mean, I wonder how many people would see the same thing and find the same revelation if they took a moment to do that. What a cool concept. You feel I, like I it would... encourage it. Try it. Hmm, what a cool idea. You know, when I think about play, 
I think about fun, that ability to just let all the grown-up stuff slide by and enjoy the moment. I think it's as easy to play with my husband when we're out walking or going into whatever we're doing, right, enjoying that moment. And that playfulness is a, it's a state of mind, right? It, to me, it's a, it's a matter of heart. It's, because it's hard to think about turning it all loose and just playing and enjoying it when so many things are going on around us. Right, and there seems to be this expectation that we're all supposed to be just encased in all the stuff going on and the freedom to just sit back and go, no, I'm going to play this today and enjoy yourself. And again, find that inner child. Let that inner child go on that adventure with you and be able to laugh and to giggle and to play. I know that I did a, a conference with a, a, a group of people from a mental health agency on an Indian Pueblo, and we had a language barrier. The, the, the primary language was Karis. There was only four or five people whose primary language is English. And so for every concept that we used in the book, we found a way to play. We played leapfrog. We shot each other with rubber bands. And the freedom that they found in just that moment to have permission, like you said, Thomas, to be okay to play for a minute was healing for them and to see the difference in the conversation they would have when they were in that spirit of play versus seriousness I'm in a conference. Very different. Very different. Tell us, where does all of that take you? Well, I think that um, I like the characterization of it as the spirit of play. And what I think is that laughter is beautiful medicine. It's healing. It's some of the best medicine that there is. And I picture a group of people seated around like we were just talking about in different contexts in the spirit of play and it takes us out of our our own worries it takes us out of our own self-absorption and we realize that laughter and joy are shared that it's it belongs to everybody and it helps us to let our ego go for even for just a moment it helps us to let down our guard right yeah that that wall we feel like we have to have up for our own safety and protection Mm -hmm. yes oh I totally agree you know I think that the the older we get I think you finally maybe through that midlife area from 35 to 55, it seems like during that period of our life, we're so intent on being good parents and making a good living and getting a good savings and do we have insurance and we got all of our T's crossed and all of our I's dotted. And then at some point, for me, Grant, I can only speak Stacy's Truth 101, at some point I finally realized that life is too short to be serious all the time. Right? What are you missing by not allowing yourself to play and then I think that's the gift of grandchildren, right? They, they've taught me how to play again safely, right? And, and accept that wonder and own that wonder and, and just disconnect notes. Okay, I don't have to wash the dishes right now. I'm going to take a minute and I'm going to play. And I feel like they have given me back a piece of that freedom that I set aside because that wasn't what grownups did. Right? So I feel like that. But then I think I enjoyed my children along the way and, and we played a lot. You know, we they would be almost grown and we'd be in Walmart playing dress up, <laughs> seeing what each other came out with. So I think, yeah, I think the spirit of play is something you own and you build. And, uh, 
and you have to make it real. How about you, Kath? I tell my husband all the time, you know, if you don't, if you get so busy trying to make a living, eventually you forget to make a life. Mm. Right? And part of that is making memories, right? My kids can, I'm telling you, they can play completely by themselves for hours because they, their imaginations are crazy, right? They're, they're insane. And I think that when people stop using that creative side of their brain or stop using their imagination, play becomes something that kids do. Agreed. How about you, Thomas? Yeah, we often tell ourselves as adults that we don't have time, which really means that we're deprioritizing play, that we're deprioritizing fun and, and silliness, because we all have the same amount of time available. So it's just something we tell ourselves as adults, and it's great to have kids or grandkids or a dog or a cat to just pull us out. I mean, it helps us pull our heads out, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it does too. So when you look at the work that you do with, with people, come, come off, and Cassie, you look at the work that you do, the, the recovery work, the, the things that you do with people, to move them forward, how often does play come into your practice, or does it? So I'll start with you. Okay. Well, it comes into my my practice quite a bit, and in one-on-one sessions with a client, sometimes we get into some really serious discussions because people are are processing trauma, deep trauma oftentimes. They're processing what they're going through in the moment and they may feel overwhelmed or or really anxious, stressed, and, and we're processing that. But even if it's just for a split second, momentary laughter breaks are good. And when I'm on YouTube shooting my videos for A Course in Miracles, there's got to be a sense of humor in it because some of my best teachers that I've ever had were extremely funny. They were extremely funny and would introduce jokes that really made us look like we're taking ourselves too seriously and we need to just kind of step back a little bit. So the use of humor is great. Is there a difference between humor and play? I think that they're one and the same to me. That's my first hit on that. Okay. All right. How about you, Cassie? When you, the people that you work with, the people you come in contact with, how does play play into what you do? I think that, especially for me, right, in, in recovery, in my in my addiction, right? At first, it was not funny. But once I got to the place where I could joke about it, I was a different mm-hmm. kind of field. Right? Amen. So, 
that is how I, you know, that anybody that knows me knows that no matter how serious the situation is, I'm probably going to crack a joke because that's just how <laughs> I am. <laughs> because it's going to lighten the situation. Somebody's going to giggle. Right. I just think that I think it's important. I think that I think that humor and the ability to let go of anger or sadness, even if it's just for a minute, is is big. It is big. And I I know firsthand from experience and in the last time with you how often your humor changes and makes better a situation, right? It, it takes the, it, it, so many times your insertion of, of humor and of that playful spirit takes the load off of those around you and allows their spirits to rest and get better. So it is a, it's a very effective tool for you and it works well with the people around you. You're very good at bringing the joy into any situation. I've gotten to witness that firsthand. You know, I think when I learned working on my Pueblo, the very first thing that we discussed was integrity. And uh, I learned at the very beginning of the class that we had this language barrier, so I brought rubber bands. And I gave everybody a rubber band, handed them out in class. And it didn't take two minutes for them to finally pick those rubber bands up, start pulling them, playing with them. Pretty soon they were shooting each other with them, getting like some children. And I got so tickled, and I thought, that's the answer right there. If I can get into play is universal. Laughter is universal. It doesn't have a it doesn't have a language, it doesn't have a culture, it doesn't have a barrier. Laughter and play is universal. I like hope. And so if I can bring play into that, we could communicate. We could find a way to come to that mutual understanding. So we had more fun putting puzzles together and playing leapfrog and shooting each other with rubber bands and doing things to bring these words to life every day. And I think it really drove home to me how much time we as adults spend not playing, not enjoying, not giving ourselves, like you said at the beginning, to my permission, permission to play, permission to be lighthearted and find the joy and find the humor and bring that to the top. Um, it's a wonderful moment in your life, I think, when you realize that it's okay to play. I think it's critical. Mm-hmm. Critical. So, Tomak, let me ask you one more question. When you, when you're, how much thought do you give or do you in your daily life? Wow, well, I'm not making this any fun or, wow, this could be more fun if I, how often do you insert that humor in play just in your own daily walk? Do you speak to me? Well, I, yes, um, I, I make the effort to do that as often as I remember because in, in my line of work, I'm pointing out all of the time, and of course I'm experiencing myself, how we get in our own way. How people say we want one thing. We want some peace of mind. We want tranquility. And what do we do? Well, we turn on our social media feed, and it's all politics and people trading barbs and insults, and pretty soon we're anything but peaceful. And then we go and we check our email, or we open up a stack of bills, and we engage ourselves in an endless form of distraction. And what this play really is, it's a powerful way for us to bring our awareness back 
It really is to bring us back. And along the way, I make a, a very, uh, it's a point that I try to make all of the time that the way we get in our own way is actually funny and to introduce a sense of humor on a subject that could be really serious lightens things tremendously. So it's something that I'm always conscious to do and in my own walk, it's, uh, it's something that I, I do whenever I remember and it helps me to engage in certain activities like cooking dinner and listening to music, which is a fun play activity. So mm-hmm. Things like that, things that we enjoy as, as human beings, I think they're really, really powerful. I love it. I love it. I think that's such, it's such a valuable lesson. And I hope people that listen just take a moment to maybe go, do I play anymore? What have you been since I play? How long has it been? What a, I hope that they intrigue their own self to find out about it. So, Cass, let me ask you a different question. I have gotten to witness firsthand the imagination of your children and the way that you bring math or spelling or the phonics song, right? Driving down the road, seeing the phonics rap songs to help them with their words. Phenomenal watching you engage your children in play. How... What do you think the difference is between our ability to engage in other people's play? Right? I can engage in your joy while you're doing it and be all over it, but I have a really difficult time if I have a difficult time engaging in my own. What do you think the difference is for people and their ability to engage in someone else's play versus initiate their own? Uh, I think it's company. I think it's environment. I think... You know, people say all the time, right, you have to be content with what you're doing and be okay with being alone. But if we're being totally honest, that's no fun. Nobody likes to be by themselves all the time. So when other people are engaging, right, it's much easier for you to participate because there's others participating, right? That's that's passively giving you permission to also engage, right? But mm-hmm. I think, do I think it's possible? Sure. Do I think it takes a lot more effort? Probably. Mm-hmm. Granted. But I would agree with you. How about you, Tomas? How much easier is it yeah, than other people's play? Well, I think... Um, Cassie, I think you really nailed it. It helps with the permission. If we engage with other people, it's easier to give ourselves permission because we see somebody else doing it. We see them having fun and something gets triggered in, in our mind of, okay, it's okay. It's okay for us to do this. Let's, you know, we're in this safe context or whatever it is. Let's have fun. Agreed. Agreed. I, I like that, that the comment you made, Cassie, that it's a it's company. It's, it's someone joining you in the play. It's much harder to play by yourself. You know, if you can engage in, like you said, Tomas, in cooking dinner with the music going to dance around the kitchen and, and fix dinner, more power to you to dance away, right? I hope you have a wonderful time fixing dinner. But so many of us are intimidated. What if somebody saw me? Right? What if somebody walked in and think I was crazy? 
I think, like you said earlier, we, we create, put our own barriers up and our own boundaries by our own judgments. I put good or bad or right or wrong. I love the concept. I know that I could continue playing with this conversation all day, but we are getting to a place where we're going to have to wind down with respect to you, Tomas, as our guest, and with respect to our audience and their time. I'm going to start by saying how grateful I am for, to you, Tomas, for spending your day with us, for taking this conversation and your transparency, and I am grateful to it. I hope our audience takes a moment and uh, find out how play fits into your life. Can you play today? How long has it been since you spent any time playing in your mind? Um, Cassie, I would love to give you the stage for a moment. Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our audience today with for play? Just with... Contrary to popular belief, you don't need permission to play. You don't need permission to be silly or to sing your favorite song or to to dance around. You know, you don't need permission. If you feel like you do, feel free to come back and listen to this as many times as you need to so we can remind you that you don't, in fact, need permission. But my challenge for everybody today is just to to let loose, right? Sing the song, turn the music up, blow some bubbles, right? Play with sidewalk chalk, do whatever, whatever, something fun. But you would go, well, that's immature. Do that. <laughs> I like that. That's immature. Do that. That's a great challenge. You always lay out the greatest challenges. I hope they take them to heart. Tell them last, we would be honored if you would take the stage for us, give us the last 90 seconds and close out our show. How would you like to leave our audience today with play? All right. Let's follow up on what Cassie just said. If it looks immature, do it. And I would add, do it in public so other people can see and do it anyway. 